Hello there guys, what is going on? Daniel Childs back here again for another edition of Let's Talk Chelsea, the final show of 2022. It has been a mental year speaking about Chelsea and in this final edition we are going to speak about some mental stuff regarding transfer news as expected, uh, some unexpected news uh, regarding N'Golo Kante as well. It's just typical Chelsea in 2022 that it ends in this way. Even if we don't have kind of conclusion on these two stories we're going to be discussing in today's show, it kind of summarizes the year in uh, general, it really does. But let's talk about Chelsea and obviously... Enzo Fernandez is going to be a big part of today's show, uh, a player that we did speak about in yesterday's news show, Chelsea's interest in the Benfica midfielder who just won the World Cup with Argentina in Qatar. Now it looks like Chelsea are very serious about the player and it is going to be a case of whether Chelsea and Benfica can reach a deal that's preferable for both clubs. Uh, that is going to be the big thing. We'll get into that. We'll get into N'Golo Kante's contract situation as well. Quite a bit to say on that too. Before we do, if you're watching on my YouTube channel, please hit that subscribe button and a notification uh, bell. We are going into bigger and better things in 2023, trust me, on this channel. So make sure you're keeping up to date with all the news, the reviews of the matches that are coming up from Chelsea. Chelsea, all of that good stuff. And please give a like at the end of 2022 because it helps new people find the channel as well. And if you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. Son of Chelsea is a part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. If you want to listen to my review of 2022, it is on the podcast feed now from a Chelsea perspective. But let's get into the news. Enzo Fernandez. Uh, let's look at this tweet thread here from Ben Jacobs from CBS. Chelsea have entered into direct talks with Benfica over Enzo Fernandez. Their tactic, as previously reported, is to pay above the release clause in order to get more preferable payment terms. Benfica under no obligation to accept unless the release clause is triggered. He goes on to say that Chelsea are pushing hard, although Benfica have already said they want to keep Fernandez until the summer. Chelsea could also try a pre-agreement like we did with Christopher Nkunku. Ben Jacobs explains here. He ends by saying key to everything, if release clause isn't triggered, is structure. Whereas with Wesley Fofana, back in the summer, Chelsea ensured payment terms suited Leicester. With Fernandez, Chelsea want payment structure on their terms. This means a high overall fee. Not an easy negotiation, but an ambitious one. Fabrizio Romano kind of reporting the same thing, but also saying that apparently Enzo Fernandez has already said yes to Chelsea and uh, Liverpool and Man United have made no bid as of now massive news and just thinking about Chelsea finally investing seriously in central midfield is a little bit weird we've been speaking about it for so many years at this point uh, to see it finally happen potentially in the next few weeks in the next month will be big and it's a huge game changer if Chelsea do spend this money I said I think in my last video or, or one of the recent shows uh, regarding Chelsea's transfer approach in January that to me, all of this business, this quite serious business, especially paying apparently this much, which could be a Premier League record, um, beating out Jack Grealish in uh, 2021 as kind of the highest fee paid for a player. If Chelsea do get through and, and sign Enzo Fernandez in 2023, it, it shows an intention to compete. It shows an intention to get Champions League football. That's what it is. It's, it's not just sitting back and waiting for things to happen. I also think as we'll get with Ingolo Kante, because obviously central midfield and, and that very much uh, pertains to his future as well. I wonder if this opens up the door for a midfield departure in January. Would Jorginho potentially make way in January because you're, you're bringing in Enzo Fernandez? 
Jorginho only has a few months left on his contract. You don't want players just walking out for free. That isn't always good. And there could be a potential for him to say return to Italy. I don't know how feasible that is in a short window like January. But buying a player like Enzo Fernandez, Chelsea may want to get some money now for Jorginho as well. Uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek has also been touted as another player who could be on the move next month. We'll wait and see on that front, but I do think this potentially opens up the door for something that I felt maybe was unrealistic in this window. So there's one part of it. But Enzo Fernandez as a player is just, you know, he's super impressive with what he's done. I think financially, you've just got to give Benfica some credit here because... They paid under 20 million for Enzo Fernandez in the summer from River Plate, and they're going to make a huge profit on him. If they sell him now or they sell him in the summer, they're guaranteed to make quite the profit on this player in a short space of time. That is brilliant business, and Benfica have a track record of doing this. And we've seen as well from the Portuguese league, you know, Luis Diaz uh, making a move from Porto. It seems to be a real ground for, for good talent. And Enzo Fernandez is not a name. For some people, he may have been a name that's become known not only because of the links to Chelsea now and other big clubs, but also the World Cup. And I'm sure that's where most people kind of got their first proper look at him. But he was becoming a known name in the Champions League earlier in the season for Benfica. People who watched not only him at River Plate, but also in his early months at Benfica were very impressed by him as a player. Some people, like expected Chelsea, who are really excited about this potential deal, say, you know, it's kind of it could be up there with a deal like Cesc Fabregas, you know, in terms of quality of player on the ball and the potential that would bring to, say, Graham Potter's midfield uh, that really does need a revamp in the coming months. So it's it's huge. And it listen, I think Chelsea are always going to leave themselves open up to, to criticism, particularly the new owners after everything that was spent in the summer. You spend again and, you know, it kind of clashes with the say the David Datra Fafana deal or the Andre Santos deal where maybe you're looking to spend a little bit less on players. Enzo Fernandez is very much what Chelsea are trying to avoid with players like Fofana. It's trying to eliminate the middleman deal that takes his fee up so much. Uh, but if this is a player, a young player who's developing, who could become a, a linchpin, you know, someone you, you can really build your future around in central midfield, it makes a lot of sense. And throughout all the money that's been spent in every area of Chelsea's squad, and, you know, some of it, a lot of it has been wasted. Midfield is the one area that Chelsea have needed significant investment in for so long. And I hope this isn't only the only midfielder we sign in 2023. I hope there is another one maybe in the summer uh, because I think it needs it. I really do. But it's huge. And let me know in, in the comments below, you know, are you starting to get optimistic that this deal it would be so crazy to happen in January? It really would, given you know what we expect in a January window to have a deal of this magnitude usually would take place in the summer. If Chelsea can get this done, apparently Vival has been out in uh, Portugal getting things done. Uh, apparently, that some some reports, you know, not very strong reports, but some reports are suggesting that even a verbal agreement might be there. That is huge. It really is, and it shows that there is. We're getting into advanced stages now with this deal, which shows how fast it's moved, shows how proactive Chelsea are being, and I think that bodes well for the rest of the January window. It really does for what the intention is going to be, and it's hopefully going to mean quite a busy month for all of us uh, content creators with a lot of stuff to speak about uh, compared to other January windows where it's been a bit dead. The other part of central midfield is what we're doing with the midfielders that we currently have. And of course, we spoke about Jorginho. Could this Enzo Fernandez deal maybe open up the door for him to leave earlier than expected with his contract situation? 
Another player who, of course, has been injured and won't be back till at least late February, early March is N'Golo Kante. And once again, that's been a big debate point. You know my point of view has been, I think it maybe is the right time to move him on. But it looks like, based on reports from David Ornstein uh, the other day, that Chelsea are making positive progress in talks over a new N'Golo Kante contract. This was in The Athletic. The contract length remains a key issue. However, Chelsea are actively working to strike a compromise that would see them retain the services of a player regarded among the best in the world when he is available for selection. As things stand, overseas sides will be able to secure Kante on the pre-contract agreement from January the 1st, with suitors in Spain and France prepared to do so. There are also admirers from the Premier League eager to capitalise. It's a massive surprise, it really is, to, to hear that talks have been positive and they're going in a direction where he's going to remain a Chelsea player. I know that a lot of people who love Kante, and listen, I love Kante, one of Chelsea's greatest ever signings, and you can make a case that you know, he's probably in the top five, maybe, in terms of value, in terms of what he's contributed, in terms of his remarkable form and his incredible influence in the Champions League winning 2021. Don't let anyone fool you. If we don't have N'Golo Kante in 2021, we do not win the Champions League. As much as everyone involved in that will be loved forever, Kante is the difference. And we know he can be the difference. We saw it against Spurs earlier in the season. My big thing has been... It's not doubting the player's ability. It's not doubting what he's done for Chelsea. It's that you should not be basing your whole midfield hope on a player who consistently gets injury setbacks. And we don't know if these injury setbacks are just going to continue now. And and they seem to be getting worse as we're seeing this season with the hamstring problem. It all, of course, tracks back to the Europa League final in 2019 in Baku, where Chelsea probably shouldn't have played in Golo Kante. Blame can go round to not only Chelsea, Chelsea coaches for maybe overplaying him and not um, using him in the best way for recovery time. Uh, also, you could look at Didier Deschamps at international level for France, maybe overplaying him at times. That's where he's picked up some of his injuries. Most of his injuries have come at Chelsea, obviously, because he spends more time at, at club level. And, you know, there maybe is also a, a case that this is a player who has done incredible things in a short space of time and his body just maybe isn't able to to continue that. Um, there are many different ways you can look at this, but... For me, I, you know, as I say, I, I don't think we should be relying on Kante anymore. But if you're able to keep him fit, if Chelsea somehow are able to get something more out of Kante in the future and we're able to get him on the pitch for at least the period of time we got him for the Champions League, as we know, he can do things many, many, many midfielders in the game of football cannot do. Although my opinion has been, and it's, I don't think it changes, you know, I still, the thing that gives me relief is with the Enzo Fernandez news, with the news of other midfielders, my, my relief in this situation is that Chelsea are not just sitting back and going, well, we may lose him, we may not, we may keep him, we're being proactive, we're going out there, we're trying to make a difference in central midfield with the future of our central midfield, because even if you give Kante or Jorginho a new contract, for me, they are not the future of the midfield, so you have to invest in that area properly, and that's what Chelsea are doing. It's a win-win situation, right? Um, I think for some of us who have kind of been doubtful about Kante's future and maybe feel that this is maybe the, the right time for him to move on at the end of this season, um, if we're still getting that new midfielder in, that's good. That's strength, you know, in depth it really is. And, and you know, Denis Zakaria, I, I would say, is an interesting wild card. He really is. Listen, he may really tail off in the second half of the season, but there's another option there that Chelsea could very much jump on at the end of this year if he turns out to be a bit of a revelation. I think it's like a, what is it, a 35 million option to buy, which in the current market, given what we're apparently about to pay for Enzo Fernandez, is not bad given uh, what Zakaria could offer to our, to our squad in the upcoming years. Um, so it's good to see 
glimpses of the future rather than us just being stagnant and Kante is a legend of Chelsea he will be whether he leaves at the end of this season or not that legacy at Stamford Bridge is cemented let me know your opinions I mean do you think that there is a, a definitely a reality with Chelsea where we keep N'Golo Kante a future reality where he becomes fit again and we're able to get the best of Kante I don't think we're ever going to get the 2016-17 Kante the 2015-16 one where he was at Leicester where you're getting him fit for a majority of the season I, I truly just don't think that's going to be the case anymore uh, I, I do think you have to accept and, and manage him and that's kind of my problem even if he is fit and you are managing him very carefully, which is what we were doing last season, he is still missing games. You know, he is, you kind of have to pick and choose where you're playing him, which, you know, isn't always a problem. It's nice to have those options, but it's why you need to look at other areas. Those players who are going to be the key players, who are going to be the ones that you're relying upon across a season, a very long season, 90 to 95% of the time. So, We'll see how that develops as well. Final thing to touch on here is just the Forest game on Sunday. It's going to be a test for Chelsea. I really do, even though Forest were awful against Man United and Chelsea should be winning this game. It is away from home. It's a 4.30 kickoff. I do think Chelsea will have to ride maybe a bit of a wave. There is an energy to Nottingham Forest that I have seen against some top opposition this season. They usually can't sustain it and they don't have the cohesion or quality to sustain it over a long period of time we saw against Liverpool it very much was a sit back and and try and hit on the counter which they did very well against Liverpool and got a result I think that was back in October November time so that was a a big boost for them at home and shows that they can beat some big sides if they're if the big side is not on their game as we know in the Premier League I'm just curious as to what Graham Potter does. Uh, I, I would like to see the 4-3-3 remain. I would like to see Dennis Zakaria start again. I think Mason Mount as an eight, even though we probably have Kovacic back now. I just I would like to see a, a similar group of players start again uh, because I, I saw a lot in that game against Bournemouth. Of course, the first half and of course, before Reese James went off, which is so big. Just those connections, you know, the likes of Raheem Sterling and I think uh, Christian Pulisic out wide, how wide they got, how much trouble they caused that Bournemouth defence consistently, how Mason Mount and Zakaria as eights, I think, really got up the pitch and, 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 you know, really caused havoc too. And Kai Havertz, I think, should be in good confidence and good form. You know, he's scoring a lot of goals at the moment and we want to keep that going into the new year let me know your thoughts as well on the game in the comments below but that is it for today's show thank you guys so much for taking the time to watch it i wish you a very happy new year hopefully you know you're able to survive and uh, recover in enough time to watch the chelsea game on sunday afternoon uh, we're going to go into 2023 hopefully chelsea can kick it off with a win and hopefully 2023 is going to be a good year on the channel as well you can follow me on twitter at son of chelsea if you're listening on the podcast thank you so much for tuning in as well and i will see you again very soon all the best